Welcome to episode 14 of Task Force X. This episode, we'll be talking about Suicide Squad issue number 6 and doing a character profile on the Enchantress, plus suicide notes. Stay tuned. Hey there, true believers. Welcome to the Task Force X Headcast, a proud member of the Headcast family. I am your host, Aaron Moss, otherwise known as Head. The Task Force X Headcast follows the adventures of DC Comics' Task Force X. Task Force X was made up of the Suicide Squad comic, which was created by John Ostrander and Ryan Scott, which started in the late 1980s, and the sister comic, Checkmate, created by Paul Kupperberg and Steve Irwin. These were two sides of DC's espionage comics. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Exactly. I will attempt to chronicle each title and all the books that the Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during this era. We're the U.S. government. Who's going to blow the whistle on us? The convicts? Who'd believe them? You? <laughs> You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, yeah, Amanda. A blog and a headcast. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. No, not at all, Amanda. I'm just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Punk. All right, Amanda. Bang. We'll return after these messages. Yo, Joe! We'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro, fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe is there. Attention, Joes, this is General Hawk. I have an important mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, will be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to gijoe.headspeaks.com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismissed. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is a proud member of the headcast family. The world he never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. 
Welcome back to Task Force X. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, also known as Head. Before we get started today's episode, I want to make a little announcement. Um, usually I'm a little haphazard when I do my podcasts. I'm going to try to get a little better routine. Uh, the first week of the month, I'm going to try to release an episode of my G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast. The second week of the month, I'm going to try to release an episode of Head Speaks. And the third week of the month, I'm going to try to release an episode of Task Force X. I'm going to try this to see how this works out for me. Uh, stay tuned and, and watch for future episodes of my podcast. Thanks. Now let's get on to today's show. Today's episode of Task Force X will be covering issue six of Suicide Squad. Uh, last month, I believe I said it was a two-part story. Actually, I believe I, I need to correct myself. It's an, actually a three-part story. This is the second part. It is entitled Hitting the Fan. Cover date October of 1987. But again, if you wanted to buy this bad boy off the stand, uh, you'd have to have the Enchantress or some other mystical way to go back to July the 21st of 1987. And when you go back, take 75 cents with you. The editor of this, editor of this story was old Robert Greenberger himself, the writer, the magnificent John Ostinger. The penciler is the fantastic Luke McDonald. Inker is Robert Lewis. Letter Todd Klein and colorist is Carl Gafford. The cover of this bad boy was penciled by Luke McDonald and inked by Robert Lewis. And it was reprinted also in the Suicide Squad Trial by Fire trade paperback, which came out in 2011. A synopsis for this story. While attempting to break a Russian political prisoner, Zoya... Trigorny? I'm going to mess these Russian names up, so I'm just warning you now. Uh, they're trying to break her out of a secret prison. The Suicide Squad is discovered. The Enchantress goes berserk, escalating the situation. Flag orders Deadshot to wound her. The team then flees from Soviet soldiers across enemy ter- ter- terrain. Whatever that is. With the aid of Nightshade, the Tame's... The Tame? I really need to learn how to read English, kids. Uh, with the aid of Nightshade, the team safely reaches the U.S. Embassy. When they arrive, the embassy officials disavow the mission and plan to turn the team and their rescued prisoner back over to the Russians. Dun, dun, dun! Now let's go ahead and move on to my thoughts on this issue. Okay, let's go ahead and start the cover of this, uh, this comic. Uh, again, it's, it's a rather... I'm going to say it's a plain cover, but I really like it. you got your Suicide Squad logo here on the top. And then the cover is just a close-up of Deadshot holding a uh, a gun with a scope on it, and in the scope we can see the Chantress's face. Again, it's the background's just a red background. I mean, there's nothing really remarkable about this cover. I mean, it's just got one person with the image of another person in the, in the uh, lens there. But. Uh, I'll be damned if I don't think this is a good cover. I really like the way this cover looks. Again, it's something you have to check out yourself and see. I mean, I really like it. I think it's dynamic. It's It doesn't show a whole lot, but it shows the basics. You know, Deadshot's about to take out the Enchantress. That leaves you going, what is he going to shoot her for? You know, if you're looking in the stand. And they say you can't judge a book by the cover, but a lot of times you do, especially comic books. So if you're looking at this on the stand, I could, you know, imagine just, Again, I was had already been hooked on the series, and I went back and bought all these back issues. So I was buying this no matter what. But 
if I was buying it at the time off the stand, uh, this cover would definitely make you want to pick it up and say, you know, if, again, if you're not familiar with Enchantress, because again, if you're, she wasn't a big name character, you'd be like, well, who's that shot going to shoot? You know, you kind of get curious and want to pick it up. And if you are a fan, you know, if you do know the Enchantress, uh, you're going to be, you know, why the hell is Deadshot going to shoot her for? So, again, I think this cover does its job rather well. I like this cover. And then we go to the first page I'm going to comment on. Uh, we got the title, Hitting the Fan at the Very Top. Right below that, we have the uh, the building that the team was previously in exploding. A giant whoa. In the trees, I like this. They have the, the names of the people working on the issue. We've got John Oshinger, writer, Luke McDonald, penciler, Bob Lewis, inker, Todd Klein, letter, Carl Gafford, colorist, and Robert Greenberg, editor, uh, up in the trees. It's really cool. Got Flag and uh, Deadshot and the Penguin watching the explosion of Penguin going, Egad! Again, very nice uh, opening page. Uh, looks like it's on the house there or the building they're in. Looks like we can see the chimney exploding there and just an explosion exploding upward. Then, like this on the next page, uh, we've got the top of the page. We've got the Penguin, Rick, Flag, and Deadshot watching the explosion. The penguin's all, the plan called for stealth. It's a theft. What was that? And Rick's like, everything hitting the fan, I figure. And then we see our team coming through the uh, portal, and we, uh, Nightshade lets Flag know that no one asked the Russian dissident if she wanted to be taken out of there. They they explained to Rick that she wanted to be a stay. She wanted to be stay. She wanted to stay and be a martyr. And basically, they just let us know what happened at the end of the issue, where the Enchantress blows up the building, well, the doorway. And then at the bottom of the page, like we see the Enchantress flying through the air, zapping things. We just see a ball of energy like leaping from her hand. Uh, apparently, she's gone out of control and gone wacko, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And then on the next page, we see the troops are coming looking for them. And I like this on this page here. Uh, they, Rick's like, we got to do something about Enchantress. And Deadshot's all, let's just shoot the witch. And Rick's like, that's what I want you to do, Deadshot. Just bring her down. I want her, I want her alive. Hey, see, Colonel? Or hey, gee, Colonel? I don't know if I can. It's a tough shot and all. Might miss and accidentally kill her, you know? <laughs> Rick pulls his gun out and puts Deadshot's hand. Don't miss. I won't. And I don't know if we've learned it yet, but as we'll learn later on, if we haven't, again, if they haven't mentioned it, I don't think they have. Uh, Deadshot has a bit of a death wish. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, Deadshot's got a bit of a death wish, so I don't know if this actually bothers him or not that Rick's threatening to shoot him. And I like the, the uh, art on this next page. We see a uh, close-up, I don't know if it's the, but just a circle of part of Enchantress' face with the word blam. The next panel... We see the bullet hitting her, and she's like in shock. She falls to the ground. I just like the way this page is laid out. We see the building burning in the background. And uh, he sends a nightshade to go over and pick her up, along with Nemesis. And he tells her to make sure she changes back to June Mooney. Or June Mo- Mooney. Who's June Mooney? Make sure she changes back to June Moon uh, before they bring her back. That way she's not a danger to everybody. And I like this. Rick's like... Always assuming she's still alive. Deadshot's answers all. Don't get bad out. Don't get bad out of shape, Colonel. She's alive. Creased her skull is all I done. Had to protect my rep after all. Very Deadshot of him. He looking out for himself and his his own 
reputation. And Rick's response to that is like, you keep jerking me around, Lawton, and that rep will be your epitaph. And then when we see uh, uh, Nemesis and Nightshade finding the Enchantress, Nightshade, or, uh, Nemesis is like, who are you? Tell me. She's like, no, mustn't. He's like, you're a June Moon, a spy, you'll be shot. And basically he's trying to get her to force her, because whenever she says her name, she changes back and forth. So he, he was trying, he was tricking her into saying her own name, that way she would change back into June Moon. Because again, Enchantress can't force the change, and again, we'll learn this later on, but June has to basically say Enchantress's name uh, to call it forward, which we'll learn later on. But uh, and they, let June, they let June know here what happened, that the Enchantress blew the hell out of the mission. And then like this here at the bottom of the page, after the team meets all the way up, and they got to come up with a new plan, Rick says that they need, they need to get back to the train station, and to do so, they need to get the Russians out of the way. And before he can say another word, Deadshot takes his rifle. No sweat. Bam! Shoots one of the guards just right between the eyes. I like this scene. It's a very cool page. And it's Deadshot very... Uh, shoot first and ask questions later, I guess. That's all I can say. He doesn't wait for further you know, information. They, Flag says... Flag says they need to get the Russian to come this way. And, well, Deadshot shoots one of them square in the eye and... Gets their attention. They start firing away at him. <laughs> I didn't mean that way, Lawton. Pull back towards the cro- cropping. Nice shade lead. Deadshot's thinking, you should have told me. Typical Russian needs a missile to hit anything. And as they're trying to, as they're getting away, Deadshot's stopping every once in a while and firing back at him. Meanwhile, the penguin's running away. <laughs> Classic old school penguin. Uh, before he became the mobster he is. And then I like when uh, Flag and the gang's trying to take over these trucks. We start the, one of the Russians there taking over in the middle of a joke. He's all, "So Genie says to Paul, I give you three wishes, and each time you ask Mongol horde to come and ravage your homeland, why you do this?" And Paul says, "They have to cross Russia six times." <laughs> Took me a second to get that joke, but it's kind of funny. Uh, but I like that, you know. And then. So just, they're Russians, but I mean, they're just like ordinary people. So, you know, in the downtime, they're sitting around telling jokes. And as they're making their getaway in the truck, Flag's like, is everyone okay? And uh, the Russian girl is like, no, you have compromised me. To me is important, I mean, I mean Firebird. Symbol of oppressive Soviet policies. Never was I asked to, if I wanted to come to West. You come and you take me and now I must flee for my life. My words of defiance are made lies. And I'm going to apologize now to any of my Russian listeners out there. I doubt there is any, but if there are, I apologize for my horrendous Russian accent. Uh, I do Russian accents like I do all other accents poorly. Of course, I guess it's even since I speak English poorly. (laughs) Anyways, back to the story. So our team's getting away. We're at the bottom of page 10, page 11. Uh, Deadshot finds himself a missile bazooka. And he takes out one of the trucks with it. And then he takes out a second truck. And I like this, uh... Well, he takes out one truck with it. And he fires a second missile, misses the second truck, and Penguin's like, you missed! And Deadshot's like, I like to make it interesting. And Penguin's that's interesting enough, you moron! Ah, uh, you never were fun at party, Pengy. Try that again. Ah, uh, you were never f- any fun at parties, Pengy. And then he shoots the second truck and blows it up. It's kind of... I like a little dialogue there. It's pretty good. 
But I like this this whole this section here before they take off that the uh, Firebird, whatever her name is, is basically telling the uh, Rick Flag and his gang that they're no better than the the Russians are. And it basically, I don't know, it's kind of true. I mean, both sides are, even though both sides have different opinions and different philosophies and what have you, uh, both sides are basically the same. And it was kind of shown there just a few minutes ago when we were watching the Russians, you know, in their downtime, sitting around telling jokes, just hanging out being guys. So what she says does have a ring of truth to it. Uh, again, mainly the main differences between us and the Russians are, are or were, however you want to say it, are, uh, our policies, our attitudes. But when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we're all humans. I don't know if that's what she's trying to say. And I don't think that's actually what she's trying to say. But that's what I'm getting kicking out of it. They're all humans. We're all, you know, down deep. We're all pretty much the same people. And that can be a good message for tolerance. And that's one to grow on. And so the team tries to continue making their escape. And like this at the bottom of the page 13, uh, they're saying, yeah, they're still going to stick to the plan, make their way back to Moscow and the embassy. And Penguin's like, Mary, mind you that we have two more people with us than the plan provided for. Or are you planning on banning some of us? And Flag's like, not if I can help it. But if I can't, you'll be the first one I look at, Penguin. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, uh, so the t- team tries to make their escape. They have, uh, Nightshade gives Trigorni, Trigorni, Trigorni? I'm not going to get this name right through this, this entire story arc. But anyways, the Russian gal is going to use Nightshade's coat. And with Chester's aid, they're going to make her look like one of the uh, Russian guards. And Nightshade will use her powers to get out of there. And like this Nightshade, I mean, we get a little bit about Nightshade here. She tells Rick that she's uh, starting to hit her limits. She's getting close to her limits on uh, the amount that she can use her powers. And we learn that Deadshot knows Russian. I forget if we announced it earlier in the book, but Deadshot knows Russian, so he helps... Nightshade Gill look inside the cart and find it because she ha- to use her power she has to be able to visualize where she's going. So he helps her look at one of the empty carts and tell he tells the guard on duty you know to increase security it's required this car be shut and not open until Moscow. If anyone questions you on this, send them the Russian Central Red Star. So they lock it up that way no one will bust in and see them while they're in there. And, I mean, the rest, the next couple of pages, the team uh, getting on the train and leaving. And Nightshade, she gets him on the train, but she's having some problems doing it. It's very painful for her uh, as she's trying to get on. Uh, we see she's, uh, so I, can't, I can't maintain the contact. And we see the portal closing, closing. I can't. Nemesis, like, again. And finally, zoom. And they're able to go through the portal before it closes again. And we see here that Nightshade, Eve, her, she's saying her head's hurting. And that she's so cold. And I like this next, a Nemesis is like, come on, we'll cuddle up together over here. Just for warmth, you understand. Because they're in the back of a boxcar that's not heated in Russia. So it's very cold. So anyway, he's saying, we'll cuddle together just for the warmth. And he's like, I'm not, after all, I'm not flag. 
And at first I thought maybe he was trying to say the flag was a scoundrel, you know, would try to pull that move like that just to get close to her. But then she's like, you noticed? And he's like, how you feel about him? I'm not blind. And she's like, he hasn't noticed. That's because that's because flag's a part-time idiot. And Eve's like, you don't mind that I'm for him and not you? And Emma's is like, me, I'm jealous as hell, but it's your heart. And she's like, you're a good man, Tom Tresser. A good man. And then the team's waiting for Nightshade and Nemesis to show up. And Deadshot's like, we can't afford to wait for them real long, Colonel. You know that. So basically, uh, the way I'm reading it, Deadshot wants to leave him behind and get the heck out of Dodge. And Rick's like, we can look. And Deadshot follows it up with, the car they were in was unheated and the lady was exhausted. Give you shade odds are dead. Frozen. And Penguin's all, wow, let's not linger here, eh, Flag? And about that time, zzzz. The portal opens and Nemesis and Nightshade come through. And again, Nightshade's a real trooper. I mean, she's tired, she's wore out, she's cold, hungry. And, uh, and Tom's t- Tom Tresser, Nemesis, is telling Rick that, you know, he doesn't think she can get to the embassy. That, you know, she's pretty bad off. And she's like, it's okay. Embassy, it's okay. Let's go. And she opens up her last portal and gets him back to the embassy. And when they return, they get the heroes welcome they deserve. <laughs> yeah, right. No, when they get back, uh, they've got, who is his name? Leonard Twilleby, an undersecretary of the ambassador. He's, you know, calling them maniacs. And he says they've created an international situation. The Soviets are formally protesting the kidnapping of an ill Soviet citizen. Uh, and, of course, in true to form, the American government's disowned the mission, say, was an act of... In- International Ventures, and some of the organization evidently evidently failed to notify the State Department what they were really going on. He says the ambassador's hopping mad. He has no idea of your mission and would not allow it to proceed if he had. So basically, one hand of the government didn't know what the other was doing, and they foisted this mission on the suicide squads and left them, you know, out to rot. In fact, he says so here at the end of this page is, if you do not screw yourselves to the Russian authorities, he will turn you over to them himself. You have 30 minutes to think it over. And <laughs> I like this last panel. The story ends with uh, Deadshot lighting up a cigarette saying, Nice bunch. So tell me, Flag, what do you want to do now? Next, the conclusion. The squad versus the people's heroes thrown to the wolves. And again, just like, it's written by John Ostinger. So I can say it's a great story, but that's a given. In fact, Grayson liked it too. Huh, Grayson? Come here, baby. And again, the art in this issue... Just like usual, it's a really good art. This last panel where Deadshot's lighting up a cigarette. His face is in shadows and the light from the cigarette, the, the match. It's just just awesome artwork. Like I say, most of the time I prefer, you know, the vibrant four-color superhero artwork. But on Suicide Squad, this book is made for this artwork. I mean... Luke McDonald does an excellent job. He may not be great on all books, but on Suicide Squad, he is what the kids say, to bomb, huh? See, that's Grayson saying they're to bomb. Grayson likes Star Wars too. So the Suicide Suicide Squad, I can't say that, it's my podcast. So the Suicide Squad does their mission, and the government hangs them out to dry. Sounds par for course, doesn't it? But anyways, the story will be concluded next month in Suicide Squad, issue number seven. And it'll also be continued next month in Task Force X. 
But again, not much more to say about this comic than I've already said. Again, fantastic artwork. Again, writing, very realistic people in it. Uh, it may just be my cynical nature, but it's very... Government's acting like the government is going to act. Uh, those are people to the wolves. Uh, but anyways, that's enough for this issue. Let's go ahead and go to another break. Be right back. We'll return after these messages. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spaway, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Do you want to hear the origin of Superman or Batman? Of course not. You're listening to a geek culture podcast. You know the origins of Superman and Batman. You've always known them. Your unborn grandchildren know the origins of Superman and Batman. But what about Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, or the Phantom Stranger? What about Firestorm, Sandman, or the Golden Age Fury? Those are just a few of the stories covered in the Secret Origins Podcast, a review show dedicated to the Secret Origins comic published by DC in the 1980s. Each episode of the Secret Origins Podcast features me, Ryan Daly, and an all-star collection of guest hosts revealing or revisiting the legends of the DC superheroes and villains. And if you're already sick of hearing my voice on this promo, the good news is at least 50% of the talking on the Secret Origins podcast is done by a terrific guest from the podcast and blogging community. So check out the Secret Origins podcast, available on iTunes and at secretoriginspodcast.wordpress.com. And now we're back. Uh, before we move on to our next section, the character profile, a little about the two commercials I just played. Uh, the first one, Batgirl to Oracle. It's it's a pretty good podcast uh, by this guy named Stella. She's basically covering uh, Batgirl's career from the time she became Batgirl up through her time as Oracle. Um, and spoilers for those that don't know and want to be surprised, you may want to skip ahead a couple minutes. I'll wait for you to skip ahead. Skip, skip, skip. Okay, you skipped ahead. Barbara Gordon ends up joining the Suicide Squad in the future as Oracle. Uh, but again, that's for the future. Hope I didn't spoil anything. 
that's why that's why I played that podcast. And she's also covering some of the Suicide Squad books. So, and as far as the Secret Origins podcast, I played that. Well, for one, I enjoy the podcast. It's a great show. For a second, uh, Mr. Daly is one of my regular co-hosts over on GI Joe, a Real American Headcast, another great podcast. Check it out. But finally, and thirdly. Uh, episode 14 of the Secret Origins podcast here a couple weeks ago. Guest starred none other than, none other than, none other than myself. Uh, talking about Secret Origins number 14, the secret origin of the Suicide Squad. Uh, you heard me talk about that early on in my podcast. I think it was this episode three or so. Uh, now go over to the Secret Origins podcast and hear me and Mr. Ryan Daly talk about that issue. I had a good time talking about it, and uh, it's a good show. Check it out. But enough with promoting other people's shows. Let's get on with mine. Uh, we're back with the character profile. This month, we're doing a character profile on the Enchantress. Her first appearance was in Strange Adventures 187 in April of 1966, and she was created by Zany Bob Haney himself, and the artist was Howard Purcell. Enchantress's alter ego is June Moon. Her team affiliations were with Shadow Pact, the Suicide Squad, of course, Sentinels of Magic, the Forgotten Villains, and Justice League Dark. Her abilities, she has a knowledge and ability to wield various types of magical spells. The Enchantress, the Switcheroo Witcheroo, as she was bannered on the cover, first appeared in the nine-page lead story in Strange Adventures number 187, as I said, April of 1966 followed by two further eight-page appearances in the same title, Strange Adventures number 191 and 200, from August of 66 and May of 67. All written by Bob Zaney Haney and drawn by co-creator Howard Purcell. The first two stories were reprinted in Adventure Comics 417, came out in March of 1972, and number 419, May of 1972. And that was only appearances in the 70s. Following this, the Enchantress appeared in two linked Supergirl tales in Superman Family 204 through 205, came out in November, December of 1980, and January, February of 1981, and in a two-part story featuring the Forgotten Villains and the Superman team-up title, DC Comics Presents 77 through 78, which came out in January and February of 1985. Uh, just a little side note, uh, in fact, I think I used to have that title. I mentioned before... Before I started collecting comics, a buddy of mine gave me a big old box of comics. If I'm not mistaken, that, that story was in that box of comics. Uh, back to her profile, though. Uh, she was one of the super characters in Legends Number no. 3, which came out in January of 1987. And again, you heard me talk about earlier in the season, in the show. And Legends Number no. 6, April of 87. Followed by the origin of Suicide Squad in Secret Origins, Volume 2, Number no. 14, May of 1987. Which again, as I said, I've talked about earlier in my podcast and I talked about just here not too long ago with Mr. Ryan Daly on his Secret Origins podcast. And then immediately following up with Suicide Squad issues 1 through 8. And just give you a little spoiler here. Uh, she's going to be in 12 through 16, which was again all written by John Ostender and Len Wein. And then, spoilers, uh, she does show up in 1988 in The Spectre. Issue number 11, again, written by John Ossinger. I would go further on, but I don't want to give away more spoilers. 
So we're going to go ahead and end that there with uh, the Enchantress, which you've read in this uh, this issue. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, we, we've got her information. Now let's go ahead and go for her biography. Freelance artist June Moon is invited to a costume party at an old castle and stumbles upon a secret chamber where an unknown magical being, later named as Zamor, empowers her to fight an evil presence in the castle. Saying the words, the Enchantress, her appearance changes from blonde-haired June to black-haired and costume Enchantress, and defeats a minotaur creature from a tapestry. Soon after, she defeats a monster at Cape Kennedy and a mirage of a demonic creature manipulated by a crook. In her next appearance, however, the Enchantress is a misguided character fighting Supergirl, who prevents her gaining omnipotent, well, magical power, and canceling all other superpowers on Earth twice. Her villainous side takes over after this, and the Enchantress then continues her career as a member of the Forgotten Villains and part of the army of supervillains during the Crisis on Infinite Earths event. She's then next recruited in the newly formed Task Force X, soon to be known as Suicide Squad, on the offer they could help her keep her villainous side in check. In her first mission, she uses massive magical energy to defeat Brimstone, which sends her over the edge and she becomes temporarily truly villainous. During her tenure with the Suicide Squad, June Moon's control over the Enchantress side becomes weaker and she wrecks at least one mission because of this. We, we, we just heard about that one. Teammate Deadshot is tasked with taking her out before she gets beyond control. Yep, that's his issue. Her powers and abilities. Because again, I'm not going to read any more about her uh, biography to not spoil anything. Her powers and abilities. Chantress is a powerful sorceress. She possesses the ability to manipulate magical energy for any number of effects, from healing to teleportation, and can directly affect any non-living objects with her magic. She can also walk through walls. A unique aspect of her power is her sensitivity to magic. She was able to link to the essence of and the storyline, using the connection to speak to a thoughts and to the rest of the group, and has also mystically tra- tracked the specter by divining his magical trail. She has also been seen to remotely access another magic user's power. I'm going to stop reading about that because I don't want to give any more spoilers than I've already done. After the Strange Adventures run, the evil Enchantress side manifested whenever June Moon changed. Later, her evil side manifested only when she was under great magical stress, which overloaded her, and she returned to normal once the overload subsided. But that's uh, Miss June Moon for you. Uh, Where else did she appear, you may ask? Well... There's other versions of her. In the Flashpoint storyline, in an alternate timeline of the Flashpoint event, Enchantress is a member of the Secret Seven. It is revealed she is a traitor when she earns Captain Thunder back, soon after which Billy Batson is killed. Though she states she doesn't care which side she's on as long as she causes pain and havoc, Enchantress is killed by Kal-El landing on her with his feet. And this was in Flashpoint Secret Seven 1 through 3. In other media, she's had one appearance in the animated film Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, which was based on the aforementioned Flashpoint storyline. And then she will also appear as one of the main characters in a little movie you may have heard of called Suicide Squad, portrayed by Cara Delvigine. Something like that. Anyways, that's it for our character profile for this week. Uh, Just one second, I'll be right back with you, kids. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime. 
soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. You stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super fair. The Fire and Water Podcast. Celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available weekly on Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Van, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? Bad enough, I have to put up with your shenanigans every week, but... Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Man, it sure is great to be back to from crisis to crisis after all this time. It's been a busy year for both of us. For very different reasons. But now we're ready to cover the post-death and return Superman stories. Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget, the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash from crisis to crisis a superman podcast.com. Is it dot com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no dot com. Forget that. <laughs> So From Crisis to Crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman, one half month at a time, every Thursday at www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. And now we're back with Suicide Notes. I can come up with a uh, bumper for this. Anyways, Suicide Notes. Uh, this episode, we've got some Facebook likes and comments, what have you. From Facebook, we have Tim Wallace, Gene Hendricks, Shag Matthews, Ruth Sutherland, Nick Green, Chris Ivey, Melissa Taylor Burton, Dave Chafin, and... Julio Alonso Carlos. I hope I haven't missed anybody, uh, but that's it for the Facebook likes and comments and whatnots. As far as that, uh, we also want to comment that Ted, try that again, not Ted, even that's who it belongs to. Well, not really, but anyways, uh, Court Industries is what I'm trying to say. Court Industries shared our post about episode 13 on their Facebook page. And as I said previously, I was also on the Secret Origins podcast number 14. The Secret Origin of the Suicide Squad. Definitely check that out. Uh, good times be had by all. Uh, I've got no emails, so there's no emails to read. 
Why not? Come on, guys. Don't you like me anymore? No, go ahead and send me an email, and I'll read your email on the air. Again, as I always say, if you want to record an MP3 and send that in, I'll play that on the air. Uh, just let me know what you guys you know are thinking, what you want. You can email me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com. You can go to our website, taskforcex.headspeaks.com. Go to the Facebook page, the Google Plus page, even though I don't do much on Google Plus, but you can mainly find me on the Facebook page at taskforcex. I think it's taskforcex.facebook.com. But come write to me, talk to me, let you guys want. Uh, I'm waiting to hear from you. So that's it for this episode of Task Force X. Be sure to join us next week for a special episode of Head Speaks. It's going to be called Head Speaks Presents Alexa Speaks. Uh, my daughter, Alexis, wanted to record a podcast, so that's going to air next week. Uh, the first week of October, come back and check out the second episode of G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast. Uh, followed the next week, hopefully, by a new episode of Head Speaks. And then be back here next month when we talk about issue 7 of Suicide Squad, entitled Thrown to the Wolves. And we have our character profile on black orchid but anyways come check us out and then the following month uh, we're going to be doing a slight change we're actually going to from that point forward we're going to start doing two episodes two episodes we're going back to two issues a month Uh, we're going to start out with action 598 and suicide squad issue number eight personnel files 598 of action is the first appearance of checkmate so we're finally getting up and we're going to start adding an issue of Checkmate in with each issue of Suicide Squad. So anyways, come check us out. Thanks. Until next time, Squadmates dismissed. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just had crazy the Joker. <laughs> well, I tried Boomer, but anyways, my home on the internet is at HeadSpeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S. Com. Links to my blog, which contains follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under Headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at Task Force X, and also on Google+, Plus. you can look for Task Force X under people and pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. 
DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. Mother... <laughs> well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood, Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages. Yes,